Hello, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. So stories of Christmas. At Christmas time, one of the best ways stories get told is through song. Singing Christmas songs. I love Christmas songs um, as long as they happen after Thanksgiving. Like, just wait till Thanksgiving. Let us have that time, and then we can start Christmas. We put up our tree yesterday. I've been listening to Christmas music this week, um, and just love it. Um, one of the classics is Joy to the World. Uh, but some of these, these songs, people have missung the words for so long that they forget what they actually mean to be. So we're going to look at some misheard lyrics, all right, uh, in a Christmas song. Joy to the world, the real list, lyrics, joy to the world, the Lord is come. And uh, that's, that's the one we sing. That's what you'll see on the screen when we sing it. But I've heard some people sing, joy to the world, the Lord has gum. And if you're a mom or dad, you know what it feels like to be asked for gum all the time. Our boys are always asking, do you have gum, mom? Do you have gum? I want some gum. And now they can afford their own gum. But uh, can you imagine how good the Lord's gum would be? The next one, Sleigh Ride, you know, that classic Christmas song. The real lyrics, outside the snow is falling and friends are calling, yoo-hoo. But the one that sometimes we want to sing Outside the snow is falling and friends are calling you fool. Yeah, there's times I've been wanted to call some of my friends fools. And then back to joy to the world again, the classic one, real lyrics, let men their songs employ. Some love to sing, let men their sins enjoy. We do not want that, okay? If you're singing that, please correct the words of that song. Your songs employ, sing to the Lord, don't sin to the Lord. But, um... Those lyrics are, maybe except for the last one, just silly mistakes, just accidents. But when it comes to hearing what God's word is for us, what the God of the universe wants to say to you, that's something we don't want to get wrong. That's something we don't want to miss here. We want to know the words that God has for us. And that's one of the biggest questions I get from people is, how can you hear God's voice? You hear some Christians talk about, oh, God spoke to me this morning. <laughs> oh, he gave me a word. He gave me a word. And you're like, what do you mean he gave you a word? Was it like, hello? What word did God give you? And we're going to talk about what that means, but also how to hear a word from the Lord. And actually, we're going to take a little time at the end of service to give us an opportunity to quiet ourselves and listen to hear a word from the Lord. Our big idea today is that God has a word for each of us. It's not just the holy, it's not just the called, it's just not those who seem super spiritual that get a word from God. God has a word for each of us, for you. I want you to prepare your heart to start believing that. Because sometimes it's the lack of expectation that God wants to do something that's the biggest hindrance. Lack of expectation, or another way you could say that lack of faith, that God cares enough about you to give you a word. But God has a word for us. The verses we're going to focus in on today come out of Luke 1, 26 through 29. And as we're about to read the word of the Lord, I want to remind us the power of Scripture. 
These aren't just words that somebody decided to write down or just an account of a historical experience. These words are the anointed word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. We trust that these words have been delivered and protected by God and given to us, and that Scripture is living and active. And as we read through these words, I want you to encourage you to open your heart to receive all God has to speak to you through these. Luke 1, 26 through 29. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city, the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings. O favored one, the Lord is with you. If the word was that easy, that an angel showed up and gave you what you needed, it'd be amazing. And sometimes we needed a little help in understanding that. So let's hear from a couple women who had a word from the Lord. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. A new song, Elizabeth? Ah, this is a tune I can't get out of my head. I wish I had your enthusiasm, but look at me. I don't know what I've said yes to. I mean, I said it, and I meant it, but I also ran to the hills. How is that someone who's highly favored? I'm glad you came, Mary. You've come to somebody who truly understands. It's too much, though. My parents look at me as if I've betrayed them and I'm lying, mm -hmm. and the whole town thinks I'm hiding a huge secret. Well, I don't know what I saw, or I know what I saw, yeah. but I said yes and I meant it. But what if I said yes too? I know that God has a grand way of involving us in his plan. <laughs> you know, I have laughed more in these last six months than I have in my whole life. I wish I could say the same. Joseph has definitely not been laughing. Not at all. Well, maybe Joseph needs to take a little advice from Zechariah. He it, hasn't said a word about our situation. Is it true poor Zechariah hasn't been able to speak since you found out you were pregnant? Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> Maybe that's just it. It seems too wonderful. Mary, your child has been written about for hundreds of years from the prophets, and now it's coming to pass just like it was written. I... I'm going to remember the words in a minute. Are you supposed to say joyful? Okay. <laughs> then shouldn't I feel more joyful? The same, it seems like I can only think about why me. Well, I know that God has given us the joy of being involved in his plan. You're blessed. I'm blessed. Because 
we didn't have to question why God does what he does. The joy isn't found in that. The joy is found in saying yes. Well, I guess I said that. Yes, you did. We are so blessed that God is fulfilling his promises to us, through us. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare in room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. And heaven, heaven, and nature sing. Try to put yourself in that position. Elizabeth, an old woman who has passed childbearing age, being told she was going to bear the forerunner to the Messiah. And Mary, a woman too young, was told she was going to bear in her body the Savior of the world. Brought by the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing life inside of her. The angels showed up, one to Zechariah, one to Mary, to tell them of this miracle. They received a word from the Lord. But when God brings a word to you or to me or to Mary or to Elizabeth, God has a timeline. He doesn't do it haphazardly. He doesn't do it hoping things work out or just maybe whenever he's in the mood, he'll tell us something. God has a timeline for his word. And I've found, at least for me, God's timeline either feels way too fast or way too slow for what I want. When he tells me something's going to happen, I say, not yet, or I say, finally. There are times God has told me something 15 years before it actually came to pass. And there's times God tells me in the moment what's going to happen right now. And so when God gives us a word, for some of you, the timeline has been the challenge. You've felt like, who am I that you would tell me, or God, where are you Why haven't you spoken to me? But God, the inventor of time, has perfect timing. He's never early. He's never late. He arrives precisely when he means to, to quote Gandalf. Luke 1.26 tells us some details about time. In the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, the sixth month here was not a calendar month. It was six months after Elizabeth became pregnant. Elizabeth, Mary's second cousin, a family member, a woman who had experience, a woman who had already for six months walked through what it means to be supernaturally pregnant with 
a child that was anointed by God. In fact, we read that when Mary walked into the room pregnant with Jesus and Elizabeth was there, John the Baptist leaped in her womb because of the Holy Spirit dwelling in that little baby. God had prepared Mary for this time. God had given her family members who could relate like no one else in the world could relate. When God gives us a word, he knows who he has set up around us to be support for us. He knows the men and women, the the friends he's put around us that we can go to that will understand what it is to have a word from the Lord. In fact, the timing of this is more refined than you may realize. In Wednesday night, I had to cover in youth group, and it was so fun being a youth pastor again. That was great. But before youth group, I was talking to some of the teenagers, and they've been taking the class how to understand the Bible for all it's worth, which is Tuesday nights, 6.30, come on out, it's good. And they're talking about when was Jesus born? When was he born in the year? But what year was he born in the way our calendars have been rearranged? I mean, they're digging into scripture, trying to figure out, okay, which Herod was King Herod during this time? And who are we four years early in our calendar, four years late, six years different? I was impressed that they were thinking so deeply about the word of God. But as I've been studying for today, I read in Daniel 9.25, Daniel, the Old Testament prophet, 400 plus years before Jesus was born, this is recorded. Now, this is a little technical, but stick with me because it is important for us to understand the perfection of God's timing. Daniel 9.25 says this, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the prince that shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks, the street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublesome times. You understand that perfectly? If you want to get confused, read the book of Daniel with no help. It is so filled with all these timelines and illustrations and ideas, and they are so perfectly lined up when you understand the structure of that book and you understand what happened when. Let me read a little bit about what this means. The seven weeks and 62 weeks combined to 69 weeks of years. See, through Daniel, whenever it says weeks, they're talking about weeks of years. Here's a little math test. How much is a week of years? Seven. Very good. You're smart. Thank you. Seven. So seven weeks or seven years is a week of years. This comes to a total of 483 years until the coming of the Messiah. The starting point of the 483 years was the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. This is a reference to the decree given in the time of Nehemiah in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' season 445 BC, after this, the Messiah would appear on the scene. And if you measure that, it comes out exactly to 483 years. This prediction, 483 years before Christ, is fulfilled in perfect timing. Mary couldn't just decide she was going to be immaculately 
impregnated and that Christ would be immaculately conceived at the exact right moment that it needed to happen. You see, God moves in ways because he has a master plan that's bigger than us, that's bigger than our lifetime, that's bigger than our generation, that's bigger than anything we understand, and God has a place for you in his master plan. He knows exactly your gifts, your strengths, your weaknesses, your abilities, your inabilities, your questions, your concerns, and he knows why you're here. Galatians 4, 4 through 5 puts it like this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. When did this happen? When it was half-baked? When the idea popped into God's mind? When he was like, oh shoot, we better do something because everything is falling apart down there. Or I haven't said anything for 400 years. Before Christ comes, there's 400 years of silence where no one hears the voice of God. No one gets a word from the Lord. And God's like, oh boy, well, I better say something. It's gotten awkward around here. No. When the fullness of time had come. There's a fullness of time. Not just in Mary's life, not just in the narrative of Scripture, but in each one of our lives. There's a fullness of time. There's a purpose and a plan and a timeline that God has for you. And don't forget it. Some of you think you're too far past or you've blown it or you've made too many mistakes and you couldn't be used. Others think, who am I that God would use me? And others, you're just like, of course God is going to use me. I am God's gift to the world. And he's like, you got a little time left to figure out. You aren't the Savior before I can use you. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. I have been convinced in my 45 years of walking with the Lord, that those times I don't hear a word is when I need to wait upon the Lord. Not get busy doing my own thing. Not get busy pursuing my own view or my own desires or my own plans, but to wait on the Lord and say, God, what have you got for me? And ways we wait on the Lord are spending time with him getting to know his voice. So when he speaks, we hear him. Because God has a word. God has a word for you. You don't have to question. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to hope. God has a word. And I want to encourage you to let your faith rise up. Let your expectation rise up. God has a word for you, not just for the person next to you, not just for your church, not just for someone that really seems spiritual, not just for someone who's really a sinner and really needs God to whoop them into shape. God has a word. I grew up in a Pentecostal circles around a lot of prophetic ideas and going to prophetic uh, conferences and and, and listening to prophets teaching. And um, there's a phrase you'd hear from a lot of people, I need a word. I need a word. 
I need a word from God. I need a word. Maybe if I go here, I'll get a word. Maybe if I go there, I get a word. Maybe if I listen to this preacher, I'll get a word. Maybe this prophet has a word for me. And I think there's truth in that. I think God moves supernaturally to give us a now word for our lives. But sometimes we look for it outside of us. When God doesn't need a go-between. You don't need a priest between you and your God. Because Jesus took care of that. Jesus came. The reason we're celebrating the baby born is because he is the great high priest that has broken down the walls between us and God. That sin built there. That selfishness built there. That, that distraction built there. And, and so we can come boldly into the throne room of the living God. The throne room of grace and say, what have you got for me, Lord? You don't need a go-between anymore. We used to need it. There was this whole temple structure that was set up in Israel that everyone needed to go to the priest, and there were certain offers, offerings for certain sins and certain sacrifices for certain shortcomings and special ways to wash your body and wash your hands and wash your clothes, and you could touch this and couldn't touch this, and Jesus shows up on the scene and says, I have fulfilled all of that. I have taken care of it for you. You need a word. But God is the one who wants to give you that word. You don't have to wait for the right person or the right moment. You go directly to God. We read in Luke 1, 30 through 31. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Mary was visited by an angel. Angel simply means messenger. Now, we know this was a supernatural messenger. Gabriel is one of the angels that are in the presence of God, and his job was to come and bring the word to Mary. But she was visited with a word from God. She wasn't at the temple. She wasn't on a high holy day. She wasn't talking to a priest. She was alone in her room and met with the Lord. Got a word from the Lord. And I want to encourage you to spend time listening. If you're anything like me, you are a talker when it comes to God. Maybe you read the Bible, but then you have a million things you gotta tell him to do. You wanna set his agenda, his timeline, his table. God, I need this, and I need this, and I need you to come through for this, and I need you to help this person, and I don't know what to do here, so help me with this, and do this, and take care of this. And it's almost like we think we're God's manager, and we can just set his schedule for him. Okay, I can fit you in today, Lord. Uh, looks like 315 to 324. I've got an opening in my schedule. And he's saying, hey, I've got a word for you, but we got to spend some time together. Just you and me. The reason we gather as a church family is, is it encourages us. We are able to open ourselves up to the presence of God. We pray and we work to set an atmosphere where it is easy for us to praise him easy for us to pray, easy for us to hear a word. And that is good, but this all this is, this is just training for you in your personal life. 
This isn't your fulfillment of your spiritual requirement. All this is is equipping, training. Hey, here's what it can be like. Here's what it can feel like. And here's a chance for you to connect with your fellow believers and with God. But all this is is to give you a little boost so you can do this in your own room. Set time aside for you and Jesus. Get into the Bible. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 puts it like this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed as the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Jesus is the voice of the Lord. And through his spirit, he speaks to us. God wants to talk to you. He wants to reveal things you know, but also things you don't know. As I've walked with Jesus, they've been long seasons of silence, but there's also been seasons where I just hear his voice all over the place. I was meeting with someone recently who were trying, they were trying to determine, is this God speaking to me? And as they shared all the ways they've heard God, I was just like, huh? how do you not know that this is God speaking? But here's why. They're a humble person. They're like Mary. Who am I that the Lord would consider me? Who am I that you would speak to me, God? I mean, they had gotten it through scripture and through prayer and through conversations and opportunities and doors that opened up. God was yelling at them kindly and gently, but he was saying, this is what I want for you. And they just needed another confirmation. And the joy that came over their face when it became clear they were hearing the voice of the Lord was just awesome. And God has that for you. But you got to spend time close to him to hear him. Spend time in his presence to hear the word that God has for you. And there's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of noise that you can mistake. I mean, one of my big questions when I'm like, okay, I think I'm getting something from God. He speaks to me in a few different ways. One is I'll just get some words in my mind that are not words I would normally think of. Not nonsense words, but like, you need to preach on this. Or my people need to hear this. Or this person needs a visit. Or I love you and have handpicked you to be who you are. Quit trying to change yourself into someone else. Okay, God. Other times I'll get a picture in my mind. I, I love visual arts, and I'm a very visual person, and so he'll sometimes show me a picture. Other times I'm reading a scripture, and it just jumps off the page. It just grabs my heart. Other times I'll see something and there'll be compassion that rises up within me and I sense this is more than just me feeling sorry for someone. This is the compassion of God that's calling me into something. Other times I'll be listening to a song and a, a lyric jumps out. Or I'm watching a movie and a scene comes on and it communicates something to me that I know is beyond just me. And it's God. But there's a lot of other voices in our lives that we could mistake. And sometimes the question I'll ask is, God, is this you or is this Satan or is this me? 
which one of the three is communicating to me? Is it God? Is it Satan or me? I should also say, or is it just the world I live in, the culture I live in? What is this voice coming to me from? And we need to filter it out. We need a water filter, kind of like these. Here's a before and after picture of a water filter. Which one of those two do you want to drink? I want to drink the one on the right. So what is our water filter for God's voice? What do we run it through so we know if this is God, this is us, this is Satan, this is just the noise of the world we live in? It's the Bible. The Bible is the filter God has given us to run things through, to clarify, to get rid of the detritus of the world, the, the mess and the junk and even our own hearts. It, it says that the word is like a mirror that shows us what's wrong. It, it, it's like looking into a mirror and seeing your face, being able to see what's wrong and what needs to be fixed. The word of God is the great filter when we're listening for God's voice. So first, go to God's word. First, go to God's word, not your emotions, not was it a real spiritual experience, not did the song make me feel real good, because boy, I have a lot of songs that I love that get my heart going, and they are speaking the opposite of God. And just so you know, there's some Christian songs out there that teach stuff that isn't even biblical, but it feels really good. That's why we need to be in Scripture. It's our great filter. But then go to people that you know that love Jesus, okay? People that you can trust, that you know, like, oh, they hear from God, and test it with them. Test it with them. Does this seem like God to you? Does this seem like something God would ask? And not all of them are going to get it right, but spend some time asking others if this is a word from God. The worst thing we can do is to isolate, to depend on our own heart. Just follow your heart. Man, do we hear that a lot. Just follow your heart and everything works out. I have seen that probably on five different YouTube videos lately where I'm watching someone who's excelled in their area, an actor, a musician, an artist, someone who's really good, and they said, I just followed my heart, and it all worked out. The Bible says the heart is deceptive above all else. How many marriages have been ruined because someone just followed their heart into the next relationship? How many careers have been crashed because someone just followed their heart? How many lives have been derailed because they just followed their heart? I'm not saying you'll never find success by following your heart, but it won't be God's success. Follow God's call. Line it up with his word. Ask other people what their opinions are about it. Let that filter do its good work. Because God has a word, and we don't want to miss it. Finally, once we've spent time listening and, and testing it and believing that God actually wants to speak and his time is perfect, we need to make sure there's a response. Because God looks for a response. Mary had a very clear response, and I love the way that was displayed and portrayed up here is, I said yes, but I don't know what I said yes to. Boy, has that happened in my life. Have you ever done that, taken a job, and you didn't really understand what it was until you're there, and you're like, oh, this, 
This is what it is? Become a parent? You're like, oh, this is what it's like to have kids. I did not know that. Start a relationship, try a new hobby, whatever. You get into it and you're like, I didn't know what I had said yes to. And, and God is looking for our response to his word. You see, sometimes God grows quiet because we have not responded to the last thing he said to us. We're waiting for a word from the Lord, and he said, I already gave you one. I already gave you one. Remember that? Luke 1.38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let it be to me according to your word. I don't know if Mary ran all the calculations, all the scenarios in her head when God said you're going to be pregnant. And she is a single woman betrothed to Joseph, who is an honorable man. They had not come, to get, come together physically as a couple because they were waiting until marriage according to God's plan and God's word for that. But betrothal was much greater than just engagement, which is still pretty serious. I mean, that ring is not cheap, and those photos aren't cheap, and it gets spread all over everywhere, and everyone knows you're engaged. But this was even a higher level of commitment, a deeper level of honor that they gave to betrothal than we do to just getting engaged. And so basically it was saying we are getting married no matter what. Our families have already been united, but we have not gone through the final ceremony, so we are staying separate physically and living in separate homes until that final marriage ceremony to confirm what we've already promised to one another. I don't know if she ran through all that in her mind before she said yes. If she had, how amazing a woman to know the sacrifice she was making. But if not, how amazing a woman to say yes, just because God said so. Just because God said, do it. She's like, okay, I will. I will. Let it be to me. As you said, I am amazed at what's going on right now. Who am I that you'd consider me? I had an angel show up in my room. What is going on? But I'm in for it. Whatever the cost. Whatever the outcome, I want to do God's will. I want to be about the business of heaven. I want that more than I want anything else. My reputation, my comfort, my relationships, I am all in for God. And that's what God is looking for. An easy way to do that is baptism. We got baptism coming up next week. If you are a Christian and haven't been baptized, that is God's word for you today. Get baptized this week. If you don't like being baptized in front of everybody, let me know. We will have the tank filled up early and heated early the few days before. You can get baptized just you and me, okay? And I'll even close my eyes and we'll do it. But don't stay where you are. Step into obedience. Follow God's word and get baptized. It is a declaration and a symbol of your relationship with Jesus. It's beautiful. So many times we see the Spirit of God move in special, powerful ways when people take this first step of obedience as a Christian. Chronicles 6, 19a tells us what God is looking for. 
what kind of response? For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. I love the way this says that. His eyes go across the earth saying, okay, who's for me? Who's looking to me? Who's going to say, yes, I want to give strong support to them. I want to come alongside them. I want to come underneath them. I want to surround them with my strength and carry them through whatever life brings. I am all in. I am all in for those people that are all in for me. God's looking at our hearts. He's looking at our responses. If he's told you to do something, do it. Now, hey, it's hard. It is very difficult. For Mary, it was a very difficult situation, very challenging, so many issues. And here's what God did on the far side. I just want to remind you his timing was perfect. He had already set up Elizabeth as a support that Mary could leave town, the little gossipy town she lived in, and go stay with, with Elizabeth who understood the situation. God also moved supernaturally on Joseph. And gave him dreams where angels showed up, multiple dreams. The first dream was that this situation was of God and Mary hadn't been running around on him because he was ready to put her away quietly so she didn't get stoned to death for cheating on him. That's what would have happened according to the law. And, and, and Joseph said, no, I don't want that to happen to her. I will quietly put her away so she doesn't have to do that. But no. God showed up, so Mary's fiancé understood. Don't worry about other people's response. God will take care of them. Worry about your response. What's your response when God gives you a word? The other side of it is God almost always asks us to do things that are above us or below us. That's way too much. I can't do that. Or God, really? You want me to do that? Don't you know who I am? And he's like, yes, I do. And that's why I've asked you to change diapers. Because that's what you are. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. I've spent plenty of my time wiping snotty noses, cleaning toilets, changing diapers as needed. Because that's part of serving the king and his, his family, the church. There's nothing that's above or below you when it's in service to God. Because we get to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Like David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than live in the tents, the, the mansions, the beautiful places of the wicked. I'll do whatever God wants. But it's got to be a word from the Lord, okay? Don't let some other Christian manipulate you into doing something. Go before the Lord. Hear his voice. What is he calling you to? Then run it through the word of scripture. Talk to other believers that know God. Not just the believers who agree with you, but those that you know that know God. And here is this from the Lord. Test that word and then take a step. Respond. God has a word for each of us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up at this time. We're just going to take a minute maybe a minute and a half, I'll set a timer, to quiet ourselves. And listen, I've been praying for weeks for this moment that God would speak to you. Maybe he'll confirm a word from 
long time ago. Maybe he'll give you a new word, or maybe this is a time where he's just wanting you to wait on him. But I want us to take some time and just say, God, what word do you have for me? What word do you have for me? I'm going to pray, and then we'll just, we'll just wait. If you get a word, write it down on your notes. Uh, grab a piece of paper out of the pew in front of you if you don't have notes. Use that to write it down. Maybe God will speak to you through a picture, and you just want to make a sketch of what it is that he shows you. But I believe God's going to give you a word today. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for responding to the, our need of a Savior. Thank you that you have a word for each one of us. And I ask right now, Holy Spirit, you will fill this place in a special way, in a powerful way. Sweep away the distractions. Sweep away the worry that we're not going to hear something. Sweep away anything that would compete with the knowledge of God. And speak to your people, I pray. Let's listen. seconds. Sometimes God just gives you the first word or two. Start writing that down and see what Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you love us enough to speak to us. The very voice that spoke the universe into being wants to speak to us. And I pray for those that today, this moment was when a word was given that you'll give them the grace to take that first step. And for those that didn't get something right now, I pray they'll go forward with expectation listening to you, giving you time to speak into their busy, noisy lives. And I pray sometime this week, they'll get a word from you, Lord. I pray for anyone here who doesn't know you yet, Lord Jesus. Just lead them to you. Holy Spirit, draw them to you. Give them an understanding that you've forgiven their sins. You want to lead their lives, Lord. I pray they would make that decision, but just minister to them, I pray. 
And as we enter this Advent season, God, let us focus in on you. Let us focus our attention, our mind, and our heart on Jesus. Bless your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, and please join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for our worship service. 